Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, listen. When we lose these body suits, it is a wrap. It's a wrap, beloved. We will be standing in eternity. And so this is so not the hour to be sitting up under false doctrine led by wolves in sheep's clothing. These corrupt men and women, Jesus did not send them. They went on their own. They are self-appointed. These apostates will never tell you that you must live clean and holy. So I don't know what's all being taught up in these apostate churches. All I know is that I'm running into its members who are shell-shocked to even fathom that it is doable to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. These blind ones being led by blind guides, if they don't repent and get on board with Holy Spirit, they are going to perish. These are they who refuse to come out of these adulterous remarriages. These are they that idolize their bodies where they have no problem whatsoever in being stumbling blocks. And when you come to them in godly love, brotherly love, to say that 
lifestyle, that behavior does not please the father. And then when you get all of the pushback, it makes you think, what in the name of Jesus Christ is being taught in these modern churches today that there is pushback against righteousness, holy living, pleasing unto the Lord? And you are fighting against that because you want to please and indulge that flesh? Oh, beloved, I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us. Those who truly are Jesus' sheep, we have absolutely no problem at all being commanded that now that we have been justified, we are now being sanctified, being made holy, living clean, pure, happy, believe it or not, happy, peaceful lives in Christ, being prepared to meet the King of Glory so that when we lose these earthly body suits, we will not stand before Jesus in shame. No, beloved, because you see, it is so easy to accept many lies coming out of the apostate church that make you feel real comfortable in your sins and at the same time teaching you just how blessed you are. But what about the adulterer sitting in the back row? What about the homosexual couple sitting in the front row? What about the fornicator, the gossip, the slanderer, the busybody? What about those who pay Jesus Christ absolutely no mind when it comes to his teachings? Rather than fighting about, well, you know, that's really up for interpretation. No, it's not. Christ Jesus is not confused about how his sheep ought to live now that he has gone to the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's not hard. Come to find out, it's not hard to obey God when you fully understand the consequence of sin. And just because you are a child of God, that does not give us a free pass to, to prove God. No, no, no. To, to make him prove that his grace will abound more over sin. What are we doing today, church? Huh? 
Because at the end of the day, all of us will have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, to give an account for what we have done in these bodies. As born-again children, we don't have to give an account for sin, but we must give an account to what we have done with the mission he gave us to do. Now, beloved, most of you know how much I love and appreciate Romans chapter 6. Because listen to the Holy Spirit today, beloved. You must have ears to hear. Do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it won't, and it won't matter that you say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? We ate with you. You taught in our city streets. It won't matter, beloved, because Jesus is looking at fruit. He's not looking at what's coming out of your mouth when that heart has been set against him. He will say to many, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. And this is why he sends out his messengers who have gotten the beam out of their eyes to alert the brethren. If you are doing anything that the Bible says is sin, you will not be going to heaven. You will not inherit God's kingdom. And that's the bottom line. And we can sit back in our feelings and think that you're judging. You're trying to send people to hell every week. Beloved, you better get that out of your thinking. Because what if, what if when you stand before Jesus and you had it wrong the whole time, banking on the false doctrine of eternal security? Because I truly believe when we stand in eternity, out of these fleshly bodies and we are looking at Jesus Christ face to face, eyeball to eyeball and you will melt on the spot because in eternity, I believe we will have absolute crystal clarity about the whole situation, about what's finna happen 
but then it will be too late. Beloved, the Bible is clear. There will be no repentance from the grave. Once your heart stops beating and you draw your last breath, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. So listen, today we are going to be looking at commentary of Romans chapter 6 because beloved, I don't know if you are fully aware, but we have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live because Christ Jesus lives in us. Therefore, this born-again life that we now live, we live it by faith, not by your flesh, not by sight, but by faith in Christ Jesus, who loved us and gave himself up for us. So, you mean to tell me that it is okey-doke with Jesus Christ, that we continue to go to bed in sin, wake up in sin, go to bed in sin, wake up in sin. Do you think that is okay with him? Because beloved, listen, your best dressed preacher man will not be standing with you in eternity as an advocate. Because he got his own fish to fry with the Lord. He will not be standing with you, backing you up about the false doctrine that he taught you for decades. That once you are saved, you are always saved. Okay, but what about obedience? Well, you know, that's legalism. Could, can you imagine this conversation going on in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ? And he's looking at the both of you like, you have my word. I've sent messenger after messenger, prophet after prophet, but you deny them. Imagine that going down. Imagine... Imagine you thinking this whole time that you and God are in a special place with the Lord. Come to find out you were deceived. You did not crucify that flesh because you believed Every bit, listen, my hand is the first to be raised. It is so easy to, to bend these ears to tickling messages that lead us completely astray. So what I personally love about Romans chapter six, because in there, I truly understood now 
Sin is no longer our master. Christ Jesus is no longer do I make provision for the flesh. No longer do I indulge in unrighteousness. It is my, as a born-again child of the Most High God, to go to His Word, to find out how we ought to live, and then live it. Live it. Because you see, that's why Christ Jesus did not authorize any denomination. No, he didn't. It is only one, one faith, one Lord, one Holy Spirit, one body of Christ Jesus. Now, we as many members, we can fellowship among one another. If it be in a building, okay, because unlike the early church, 5,000 people cannot meet in somebody's house. It must be broken up in smaller groups. But if we do want to meet among the hundreds and thousands, Yes, we may need to rent out a facility building, but it is not denominational. It is members of the body of Christ coming together on a particular day that works for everyone. And we have a facilitator called a pastor but he's not running around demanding we call him Pastor Pete, Pastor John, capital P in the pastor. No, he's coming in the office of pastoral, but he's just Brother Pete, Brother John. That's it. And he's the one that's facilitating, moderating this fellowship meeting. He's not running the show where we sit back in awe of him and worship him and his wife. No, this is where we are exhorted and if need be rebuked. Learning of Jesus' teachings and those of the apostles who met Jesus face to face, walked with him, talked with him, ate with him outside of, of Paul. But the core 12 actually walked with Jesus when he was in his earthly body suit as a man. And when he went to the cross, and when he rose again on the third day, and when he ascended to heaven, the apostles went out into the world continuing in the doctrines of Jesus Christ. 
Nothing has changed. The problem is because Paul called it. He told the young pastor Timothy that a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. But guess what? They will heap upon themselves teachers who after the same lust, they will tickle your ear with myths and fables, false doctrine, made up contrived doctrine so that it can go down easy. Beloved, living in Christ is a crucified life. So, let's come over to Romans chapter 6. So, Romans chapter 6 has 23 verses that is packed, packed with sound doctrine. And it opens us up to the reality that we are now in Christ Jesus. We don't any longer break our necks to commit wickedness, but with that same energy and zeal, we seek righteousness. Listen, we are supposed to be seeking righteousness at all times. And where we get the pushback is because people, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm witnessing this. People will think that it's something wrong with you. How come you too aren't living a life characterized by sin? Because you know, after all, we still sin. You mean to tell me you don't sin? We all sin. Beloved, listen. No one is talking about sinless perfection. We talking about doing what the Lord told us to do on a daily basis. Pick up that cross, deny yourself, follow him, strive to enter through the narrow door. That's what he told us to do. He did not say indulge even more in the flesh. Don't worry about anything. My grace got you. So, up in verse 1, right? Paul opened up the conversation with, to me, the most poignant question that needed to be asked. And yes, Holy Spirit, in order to really appreciate Romans chapter 6, please study Romans chapter 5. Because Paul opens up this question based on what he was talking about in chapter 5. Should we live a life of sin? So we can receive more grace? That was the question. Because listen, the believer under grace, the problem 
is habitual sin. And what makes matters worse is when you have a bishop talking about, oh, once you are saved, you always saved. You have eternal security. Okay. So, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because you see, Paul introduced the idea that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. That's in Romans 5.20. Because he now wonders if someone might take this truth to imply that it doesn't matter if a Christian lives a life of sin because God will always overcome greater sin with greater grace. See, Paul knew that people were going to misconstrue this biblical truth. He knew it. Because the mindset is this, right? If God loves sinners, then why worry about sin? If God gives grace to sinners, then why not sin more and receive more grace? Oh, beloved, listen, some people think that their job is to sin and God's job is to forgive. So they will do their job and God will will do his job. Beloved, please, please let that not be your thinking. So, shall we continue to sin? The verb tense of the phrase continue in sin, which is the present active tense, makes it clear that Paul describes the practice of habitual sin. Because in the first part of Romans 6, he writes about someone who remains in a lifestyle of sin, thinking that it is acceptable so that grace may abound. Oh, beloved, listen, a life of sin is unacceptable because our death to sin changes our relationship to sin. Mm -hmm. Our relationship with sin is now broken. We have, listen, yes, Holy Spirit, we have no relationship with sin any longer. So Paul answered the question. Certainly not. No, (laughs) we don't continue to sin so that grace may abound. No. (laughs) Listen, the idea, because see, for Paul. And this should be for us too. Because for Paul, 
the idea that anyone might continue in sin, that grace may abound is unthinkable. Unthinkable, certainly not, is a strong phrase. It might also be translated as perish the thought or away with the notion. If you ask me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Absolutely not. The answer is a big fat, no ma'am, no sir. Away with that notion. When you ask me how I would respond, I'd be like, no. Mm-mm. No. Why, why, why would you even think so? It's because you're trying to find a loophole to keep on with your foolishness. Well, Paul says, certainly not. So, and then we have, I could just, I could just hear him with all of this. You got to be kidding me because he asks another question. How shall we? who died to sin, live any longer in it? Question mark. Because see, beloved, today we are looking over Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 23, and breaking it all down. Glory to God. Because Paul was like, after he said, oh, absolutely not. No, we don't continue to sin just to see how much God's grace will abound over sin. And so he asks another question. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Because Paul establishes a very important principle. When we are born again, right? When we have believed on Jesus for our salvation, well, guess what, beloved? Our relationship with sin is permanently changed. We have died to sin. Therefore, if we have died to sin, then we should not live any longer in it. It simply isn't fitting to live any longer in something you have died to. When he said, we who died to sin, because at this point, Paul has much to explain about what actually, no, yeah, no, what exactly he means by died to sin. Because the point is clear. Followers of Jesus have died to sin and they should no longer live in it. Because before, right? Before coming to Christ, we were dead in sin. According to Ephesians 2.1, and you 
he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Amen. But now, beloved, we are dead to sin. Glory be to God. That's good news. Because no longer do we face God's wrath. So, and then in verses 3 to 4, he's given us the illustration of the believer's death to sin, baptism. Because he says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. He's asking a question. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so. That means likewise, we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. So when he says, or do you not know? The implication is that Paul is dealing with fundamental concepts that every follower of Jesus should know. And then when he says, as many of us as were baptized into Christ, the idea behind the ancient Greek word for baptized is to immerse or overwhelm something. The Bible uses this idea of being baptized into something in several different ways. When a person is baptized in water, they are immersed or or covered over with water. When they are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we see in Matthew 3.11 and Acts 1.5, they are immersed or covered over with the Holy Spirit. When they are baptized with suffering, as we see over here, and was this Mark 10 39? It says, They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with and with the baptism I am baptized with you will be baptized. Amen. They are immersed or covered over with suffering. Because here, in this verse, Paul refers to being baptized, immersed, or covered in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, because you see, water baptism, being baptized into Christ, it is a drama, a drama 
baptization or acting out of the believer's immersion or identification with Jesus in his death and resurrection. And so when he says, we were buried with him as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Because Paul builds on the idea of going underwater as a picture of being buried and coming up from the water as a picture of rising from the dead. Because we know, right, that baptism also has the association of cleansing. But that isn't particularly relevant to Paul's point here. In this regard, baptism is important as an illustration of spiritual reality, but it does not make that reality come to pass if someone has not spiritually died and risen with Christ, all the baptisms in the world will not accomplish it for them. Because Paul's point is clear. Something dramatic and life-changing happened. Something happened. In the life of the believer. Listen, you can't die and rise again without it changing your life. The believer has a real, although spiritual death and resurrection with Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know what, beloved? That point is not being fully expressed in the modern church. Because if it, if it was, we would not be seeing a lot of professing Christians still living in sin. Just living in sin and rebuking sound doctrine. Because yes, Yes, Holy Spirit, Paul, he prophesied correctly and we are seeing the manifestation of that prophecy. People are not, or or should I say, those who claim the name but are still living in sin and refusing to come out of it, they are not by by their lifestyle because we are looking at fruit, 
this is not, you know, judging or being a busybody or being self-righteous, pointing fingers, calling things that are not really happening. But these things are happening because they say out of their mouths, this is the lifestyle that they are living in, but they refuse to endure sound doctrine like Jesus teaches. If you divorce and you remarry and your covenant spouse, that first spouse, you went before God and made a vow. If he or she is still alive and you remarry, Jesus says you commit adultery because that marital covenant Irregardless of the reasons why it ended, as long as they are alive and you shack up with someone else and you have sex with them, you commit adultery. So we know there are valid, valid, valid reasons why we cannot be bounded to individuals that are violent, that are harmful to our stay on the earth, and we must separate. But he does not advocate divorce. Even Paul taught, if you separate, you must remain unmarried. He's not saying stay with the abuser, stay with the killer, stay with the with the the crackhead, stay with the alcoholic drunkard. He's not saying that, but if you do separate, you must remain unmarried. That means that does not give us come to find out my hand is raised. My hand is raised. I too fell for the lie that if they commit adultery, I can divorce and remarry. No, that's error. You must remain unmarried. And it goes without saying celibate. And that's the part that people who claim the name who are still living by their flesh. They can't handle the fact that they are 35, 40, 42, 47, 50, 60, and still want to have sex, that it got to stop. They lose their minds because like one brother says, well, if I come out of this adulterous remarriage, what about lust? Well, what about it? What about Jesus saying, deny your flesh, pick up your cross and follow him. So you want to go to the grave as an adulterer because your flesh dictated how you were going to live. The Bible is clear. No adulterer will inherit God's kingdom. This is not about earthly connections, beloved. This about this is 
about abiding in Christ Jesus, complying with him, obeying him, following him, keeping hold to heed, sticking to his commandments like glue. That's that's what he's looking at. He's looking at faithfulness. He's not looking at your loins wanting to be satisfied. He ain't looking at that. These bodies are temporal. These earthly relationships we have is temporal. There is no marriage in heaven. Marriage is for the earth. So that men and women, men and women can come together in holy matrimony and produce offspring that prayfully will follow Jesus Christ. So, back over here looking at verses 5 to 10. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Again, we are studying out Romans chapter 6. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that, knowing this, that Our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin, that old flesh man, right? That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, right, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, He died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Amen. Glory be to God. So, the words united together. This expresses a close union. The phrase exactly expresses the process by which a graph becomes united with the life of a tree, right? The union is of the closest sort. And life from Christ flows through that person. Because this fits, this fits in with Jesus' picture of abiding from John chapter 15. Listen. This close union is both in his death 
and in his resurrection. God has both experiences for us. And Paul, listen, Paul expressed a similar idea for his own life in Philippians 3, verses 10 to 11. Listen, he says, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, some are all too ready to be united together in the glory of resurrection, beloved, but are unwilling to be united in his death. I love it what Paul just said over here. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of people are all too ready to be united together in the glory of the resurrection. But guess what, beloved? Many are unwilling to be united in his death. And then he goes on to say, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Listen, our participation in the death of Jesus makes our participation in his resurrection certain. Yeah, because it is, mm -mm -mm, it is too easy for some professing Christians to focus solely on the crucified life, failing to see that it is a part and essential part of a bigger picture. Preparation for resurrection life. Because, beloved, listen, okay, let's not get this whole thing twisted. We are to live a crucified life. The fact that we are in these bodies, that is these, these body suits, this, this flesh that still wants to sin. So the focus while in the body suit, yes, it is about living a crucified life now. But the bigger picture must be on preparation for resurrection life. What you going to do when you or I gets called out of these body suits and we now stand in eternity. This is the whole premise of one who teaches God's word to his children that as a body, as the body of Christ, we come together in fellowship, 
learning from one another, listening and gleaming sound doctrine from the word of God, and then live it. Live it. No one is greater than the other in this body of Christ. And those who are spiritually mature through experience and knowing the Father more and more, we we lend our ears because of what thus saith the Lord they have to in part and share with the rest of us so that we as one unit can be edified and grow up spiritually mature and not being tossed to and fro, being carried away by every shifting wind of doctrine. One week, you new age. Another week, you word of faith. Another week, you are a vegan. You're not eating anything. Another month, here you are chanting to crystals. Next year, it's something else. Everything but pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus. Some of us are being just swept back and forth with this religion, with that doctrine, with this denominational. You are jumping every which away and you're not growing spiritually. Listen, we are being prepared for resurrection life. Glory to God. Listen, because then Paul went on to say, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Amen. Listen, the death of the old man is an established fact. It happened spiritually when we were identified with Jesus' death at our salvation. Listen, the old man, a.k.a. that fallen nature, is the self that is patterned after Adam. The part of us deeply ingrained in rebellion against God and his commands. The system of law is unable to deal with the old man because it can only tell the old man what the righteous standard of God is. The law tries to reform the old man to get him to turn, as they say, over a new leaf. But the system of grace understands that the old man can never be reformed. He must be put to death. And for the believer, the old man dies with Jesus died with Jesus on the cross. 
Mm-hmm. Listen, the crucifixion of the old man is something that our Father, God in heaven, did in us. None of us, none of us nailed the old man to the cross. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ did it. And we are told to account it as being done. Mm -hmm. So, in place of the old man, God gives the believer a new man, a self that is instinctively obedient and pleasing to God. Because you see, beloved, let me share something with you. From 2002 all the way to 2019, here I am believing and thinking that I was born again. My problem with that mess was that I was still living in sin. I did some good things, but I did a whole lot of bad things. A lot. And I was banking my eternal future on one saved, always saved. Because you see, to my ignorance, I know no better. I'm a babe in Christ. I'm thinking people who get born again go to church. My problem was that I ran into a wolf. A wolf in sheep's clothing who preached what I thought was the gospel. Come to find out it was prosperity. It was word of faith. It was naming and claiming, blabbing and grabbing. You can have it, honey. That's what I was taught. There, Listen, there was absolutely no teaching on repentance, living a crucified life and following Jesus. It was all about worshiping the pastor who week after week showed off his vainglory and lied, because that's what it was, lying to say that if you bring God money, well, you too can live like how I'm living, blessed, houses, cars, and lands. And if you want a new man, if you want a new woman, well, you can have that too because you are a king's kid. You deserve the best. All you got to do is tell God what to do. So that was a lie. And then 2019, I actually heard the gospel, the real gospel. That if you don't repent, if you don't change your mind about the way you are living and understand that Christ died and he rose again on the third day, he's sitting in heaven at the right hand of God making intercessions for us. And he taught, but unless you repent, you too shall all likewise perish. Because you see, sitting up in the false church, they come against us having sin consciousness. They rather have your conscience on the here and the now. 
Mm -hmm. Getting you to bring as much money as you want God to bless you. So obviously, the more money you bring, the blessed you will be. Meanwhile, I'm still waiting on the mansion and the yacht. I'm so glad the Lord brought me and many of us out of that madness. And so once I truly repented, once I believed I truly was filled with the Holy Spirit, I asked the Lord, was I even born again? Because I'm reading scripture and it, it doesn't sound like I was actually born again. Although I had a love for reading the scriptures, my problem then, I was not living the scriptures. I was a hero only. And the Lord said to me, my problem was, I had not put on the new man. I had not turned from sin. And so coming back over here to what Paul was saying, right? Because in place of the old man, God gives the believer a new man, a self that is instinctively obedient and pleasing to God. This aspect of a person is that which was raised with Christ in his resurrection. Oh, beloved, I pray you all have ears to hear. This is what happened to us. So for us to continue in sin, it's not possible that we go on continue continuing in sin. The more we get to know the Father better and better, the less we will sin because we are reading scriptures about the consequence of sin and that it brings glory to God when we bear good fruit. The the New Testament describes the new man for us. Ephesians 4.24 The new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. Colossians 3.10 The new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Glory be to God. He created the new man. The old has passed away. All things have now become new. That's what it means to be born again. You no longer desire to sin. I'm telling you, this is truly a miracle of God. He created the new man in the image of him who created the new man. So if you think about it, if you, if you use your cognitive thinking, there is no darkness in God. There is no sin in God. He cannot be tempted by sin, nor does he tempt anyone to sin. 
So if we have been now made in his image, why are we still walking in darkness? Because eventually we should see the fruits of Holy Spirit manifesting in our lives. We all know that as a body of Christ, we are at different stages in our sanctification. Some are brand new, some are in the middle, and some are living a resurrected life, keeping their eyes and focus and bodies on eternity. So along that spectrum, the goal and the mindset is to keep going forward in Christ, keeping ourselves planted in his word so that we can be, thank you, Holy Spirit, so that we can be instructed in how to live holy. And we don't do this by ourselves. He sent another comforter. Holy Spirit, he empowers the believer to put away sin and start to live obedient, faithful lives in Christ. It's a wonderful life. It's truly a wonderful life because we know we are storing up treasures in heaven. Forget about this world and the things in it. Put it all away, beloved. Put it all away. I know you like to have sex. I know you like to go clubbing. I know you like to smoke them cigarettes. You like gossip. You like being a busybody. You you can't stop lying to save your soul. But we must put those works of the flesh away from us, away with it. At some point, we got to wake up to righteousness. See, the problem is the fact that we can't see the Lord with our eyes, but he's alive in our hearts and his spirit is directing our steps. It is truly a good life, a clean, wholesome, chaste life in the Lord. And believe me when I tell you, he will give you work to do so much so that you won't have time to even think about sin because the the work, listen, He's going to deploy you into his harvest. And you can't be in his harvest calling men and women and boys and girls to repentance if you got the plank still in your eyes. Jesus needs us in the harvest. He said it is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few. Because many don't want to do what he told us to do. Pick up that cross, deny your flesh, and follow me. And many want the kingdom, but they don't want to obey the one 
who will grant you entrance into the kingdom. Do you think your bishop has the authorization to usher usher you into God's kingdom? No, he does not. He don't hold the keys to hell, death, and the grave. No, he does not. The body, getting back to Romans 6, right? That the body of sin might be done away with. God uses our death to the old man, the sin nature, to liberate us from sin. A dead man can no longer have authority over us, right? So we are to remember and account the old man as being crucified with Christ. Listen, two other places in the New Testament which mention the old man remind us to consider him done away with, telling us to put off the old man as something dead and gone. Amen. What is this? Ephesians 4.22 That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Amen. Colossians 3.9 Do not lie to another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Amen. Because beloved, listen, strictly speaking, we don't battle with the old man. We simply reckon him as dead. Glory be to God. So the question from the brother about, well, if he comes out of that adulterous remarriage, well, what about lust? Well, guess what? Lust died. With the old man, his deeds, his lust died. We are to consider ourselves dead to sin, the old man died. And if he tries to resurrect, because we keep making provision for him to get stirred up, we are to reckon him as dead. Tell the flesh, no. No, I'm not calling up any past lovers. No, I'm not watching porn today. No, I'm not masturbating. No, I'm not smoking weed. No, I'm not going to commit murder. No, I'm not going to gossip. No, 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 no. You're dead. Ain't no dead person ever have authority over anyone that is still alive. Once they are dead, is finito kid. So, done away with. Done away with. Paul was saying, the old man is done away with. Right? So, listen to this 
this commentary about the old man being done away with because some may say, well, why do I feel a pull to sin inside? It's simply because it comes from the flesh, which is distinct from the old man. It's hard to precisely describe the flesh. Some have called it the screen on which the inner man is displayed. Our inner being has desires and impulses and passions. These are played out in our mind, in our will, and in our emotions. The flesh is what acts out the inner man. The flesh is a problem in the battle against sin because it has been expertly trained in sinful habits by three sources. First, the old man, before he was crucified with Christ, trained and imprinted himself on the flesh. Second, the world system in its spirit of rebellion against God can have a continuing influence on the flesh. And that's why the Holy Spirit tells us to not love this world and the things in it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. John was telling us these things come from the world who is in rebellion against God. The spirit of rebellion. This world is ran by Satan and we know we live in a world completely manipulated and deceived by our enemy, the devil. Number three, Speaking of the devil, the devil seeks to tempt and influence the flesh toward sin. So, with the old man dead, what do we do with the flesh? Well, God calls us in participation with him to actively do day by day with the flesh just what he has already done with the old man crucify it that that's what you do about lust that's what you do about this flesh still wanting to indulge in activity that will disqualify us from the kingdom Crucify it. Make it dead to sin. What does Galatians 5.24 says? And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Amen. So, when we allow the flesh to be continually influenced by the old man's habits of the past, the world, and the devil, the flesh will exert a powerful pull toward sin. If you and I let 
the new man within us influence the mind, the will, and the emotions, we will find the battle less intense. Oh, beloved, listen, I am a witness. I'm a witness for Jesus Christ that if we no longer allow the flesh to direct our every move, but a renewed mind that is stayed on the spirit, I'm telling you as a witness, the battle with sin becomes less intense. You could not have told me five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that it is possible to live a life of celibacy. You couldn't have told me that. I'm telling you, whenever I'm led by Holy Spirit to give my testimony again, you would think that ain't no way that I could have, I could be celibate, but I am. That pull, that, that drive to please these loins, I'm telling you, it is like non-existent. You want to know why? Not because I'm so holier than thou. No, it's because my mind is not on the things that used to get me riled up. Like what? Sexy music, slow burning music. Smoking weed, drinking like a drunkard, allowing myself to dress in a way that causes attention to come to me by men who only wanted my body. Certain things I do, low key, those pulls in my life. Holy Spirit is sanctifying me in the area of this thing that tripped me up. Sex, sexuality, sensuality. Those things get me riled up. So he has showed me ways to not get this flesh riled up. It does something to a woman when she looks upon her body in sexiness by the way she dresses and the way she paints her face and does her hair, eyelashes, and nails dousing in perfume that attracts attention. I'm telling you. And now that I dress appropriately, now that I keep myself at home and out of trouble, I'm able to hear from the Lord how to live in the new man. So it's about your will, what you want to do. Do you want to keep turning heads or do you want to please the father? Because you see, that's <clears throat> that's my mindset that if there is anything that's still in me that doesn't please the father, well, I got to put it away because my priority, just like any follower of Jesus Christ, 
is to make it out of here in one piece to stand before the Son of Man to hear our names confessed before the Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come, enter into my Father's rest. That's what we try to hear. So Paul was saying that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Amen. Listen. Well, that's really self-explanatory. Yes. So we are set free from sin. Because the old man has died with Jesus on the cross. Now a new man. A free man lives. Oh, beloved, listen, and I know some of you know this too, right? It is so freeing. It is so liberating not to be enslaved by sin. Oh, beloved, you can live a good life, a clean life in Lord in the Lord without having to be bound by the shackles of sin. Oh, beloved, I'm no longer depressed. I am no longer suicidal. I ain't homicidal anymore because let me tell you, I needed to be saved. Okay. Um, it is truly a life of peace. I'm not involved with children of the devil any longer. And by their sinful lifestyle, I am no longer influenced by it. Dragging me to the pit of hell right along with them. Oh, beloved, listen, can't say it enough. So having been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Amen. Listen, since we have already died to sin with Jesus Christ, death no longer has dominion over us. The new man not only has life, he has eternal life. Oh, beloved, you know, that's a whole nother topic. Because those who claim once saved, always saved, we have eternal life who are living in habitual, blatant, deliberate sin, actually believe that they have eternal life and they will proof text all the scriptures about children of God having eternal life. Okay. But if you read those same scripture in its context, it tells us the condition For having this wonderful gift of eternal life, we must be obedient. Having lived a faithful life in Christ Jesus, so that when we are called out of these body suits, because I'm telling you, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Once you die, it's a wrap. Then we shall have eternal life. Eternal life is not a free-for-all, a blanket covering any and everybody who lives however they want to live. 
still living in sin, still fornicating, masturbating, homosexuality, you name it. But because they said a sinner's prayer, confessing Jesus, but they never obeyed Jesus. But yet they want to proof text you with the how many wonderful, precious promises we have about eternal life. But Jesus said, John 10, 27, they, they love John 10, 27, 28, 29, and 30. Oh, they love it. But Jesus says in those scriptures that he will give eternal life to them. Them who? He wasn't talking about the fornicator claiming his name. He wasn't talking about the adulterer claiming his name. He wasn't talking about the covetous claiming his name. He was not talking about the extortioner claiming his name. No. He was talking about those who are his true sheep. Those who listen, follow, and obey Jesus. He says to them, he will give eternal life and they will never ever by any means perish. Are you listening to Jesus? Are you obeying Jesus? And listen, but before you say, yes, I am, look over your life. Are you living with your fiance and you're not married? Are you defiling God's temple by indulging in activity that is wicked and unrighteous? Are you saying that you deserve another bite at the marital apple because your first marriage, your second marriage, and your third marriage didn't work out, but this marriage will no, it won't. Because that marriage, if you don't come out of it, you're going straight to a burning hell as you await the final judgment only to be thrown in the lake of fire because you thought Jesus wanted you to be happy. No, he wants us to repent and to live clean and holy lives bearing good fruit. That's what he wants from us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, the life that we live, we live to God. Paul is telling us this new man, the life that he now lives, he lives to God. Can't you see, beloved, why I absolutely love Romans chapter 6? If you don't ever read any other chapter in the Bible, chapter 6 of the book of Romans explains clearly, concisely, what happened to us now that we are born again and how we ought to live and it gets our minds straight. Get it, listen, get it out of your head. 
that because of God's grace, you can continue to sin and you will be okay. No, you will not. Not only will you have a miserable life in the body trying to prove Jesus wrong when he says you cannot serve two masters. You're constantly trying to prove him wrong in that and your life is miserable. Your life is depressive, no depressing. You have no peace. You have no joy. All because you refuse to practice righteousness. Beloved, I love you. That's why Holy Spirit is telling us these things. This is the problem going on in your life. You're not being obedient to Jesus Christ. It's not the man. It's not the woman. It's not because you can't find a good job. It's not because the police is always after you. It's not because people are slandering you. It's not because of this. It's not because of that. It's only because you claiming the name are not living clean and holy and pure lives. It's not like you can't do it. Yes, you can. He sent us Holy Spirit. So we are not with an excuse. Well, because, you know, living in these bodies is, is impossible. No, it's not. It's impossible for you because you have decided you are going to prove Jesus wrong. You can serve the God of this world and Jesus. Well, how is that working out for you? Because I can tell you how it worked out for me. It didn't. It didn't. I almost lost my life claiming the name and I would have ended up in a burning hell trying to figure out how did I get here? I said the sinner's prayer. I thought I had eternal life. That's what the bishop said. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Why am I in hell? Because you did not put on the new man. You did not consider yourselves dead to sin. You thought you still can sin. You thought, like I thought, holiness was optional. It's not optional. It is commanded. It is required of you. How is it? We can say we are in the image of the resurrected Christ Jesus and yet still habitually. I'm not talking about, you know, missing the mark and let those missed marks be far and few in between. I'm talking about daily living a lifestyle that is characterized by sin and you say you and God are still good to go well John says you are a liar I didn't say it John by the Holy Spirit says if we claim to know him and yet we continue to sin we are a bunch of liars. We don't know him. 
No, you don't. Because you see, Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. You worker of iniquity. It goes hand in hand. What else? What else Paul was saying here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The new life that he lives, he lives to God. The new life we are granted isn't given. So we can live unto ourselves. With the new life, he lives to God. Listen, we aren't dead to sin. Free from sin and given eternal life to live as we please, but to live to please God. Everybody wants each, everybody claiming the name, right? Wants eternal life, claim they have eternal life, but they are living to please themselves. Beloved, I know I sound repetitive, but it is for a reason so that we can clearly see the handwriting on the wall. Jesus did not save us from the wrath of God to continue to live however it is pleasing to us. Flying in the face of holy God, claiming you going to heaven, but you living like a hellion. Be not deceived, my beloved. Okay, beloved, listen, I got some homework for you all because I have to go. I got to go. And um, yeah, study Romans chapter 6 all the way to verse 23 because I may at another time give us more commentary on this because this is chock full. Beloved, listen, okay. Paul said something so profound in these scriptures. I'm telling you, I love every jot and tittle of Romans 6. Because just in verses 11 to 12, listen, this is instruction for our renewed minds. Listen, he says, likewise. You also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you obey, that you should obey it in its lust. Amen. That's what we do about, well, what about lust? Well, consider yourselves dead to sin. Listen, reckon is an accounting word, right? Paul tells us to account or to reckon the old man as forever dead. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, beloved, God never calls us to crucify the old man, 
but instead to account him as already dead because because of our identification with Jesus' death on the cross. There is no reformation of the old sinful nature. He died. There is no turning over a new leaf in life. About the old man, he he's dead. Grace kills the old man. He doesn't try to reform him. That's the problem. We are to consider ourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, the death to sin is only one side of the equation. The old man is gone, but the new man lives on in Christ Jesus. And with that, he said, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't do it. The person that has been set free from sin is told, do not let sin reign. That's it. The Oh, beloved, I wish I, I wish I had more time because we are taught over here in this wonderful chapter how to walk in the freedom Jesus has given us. And he doesn't give us this freedom to continue to indulge and engage the flesh man. No. We are to present our members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Why? Sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. Oh, beloved, this so old. This is so wonderful. I love this. What is this here? Uh-huh. The first key to walking in the freedom Jesus won, won for us, we must not present the parts of our body to the service, no, to the service of sin. Mm-hmm. Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Oh, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Oh, beloved, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, how much do we love Romans chapter 6? Oh, Father, we have been taught to present ourselves to you. Walking in freedom in Christ Jesus affords us a lifestyle that is characterized by righteousness, sanctification, holiness. We are set apart to serve you, Father, not the flesh, not any mere mortal that tries to convince us that we can still live for self and please God 
and inherit your kingdom. God forbid, Father. No, we do not take and use your grace as a license to keep on living in our vomit. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't use it as a scapegoat. Use it as justification that we can still sin, but we still get to go to heaven. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for 2 Timothy 2.19. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy, righteous name. I pray for the saints, Father, that we remain faithful to Jesus, sticking to his word, abiding in him. Apart from him, we will become broken off withered branches that will be bundled and thrown into the fire. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you we have your word. Bless you, Father. May we live clean and changed lives, producing fruits in accordance with our repentance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Glory be to God, beloved. Let today be the last day you resurrect that old man. He is dead as a doornail. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are a newly create you, you are a new creation fashioned in the image of Christ Jesus. Now live it. Live it. Put away sin. Come out from among this world. Live right in the sight of God because one day we all will be standing before the King of glory. Remember that. Keep your focus on eternity, not the here and the now. Yes, we live in this world, but we ain't got to be part of it. Amen. Amen. Lord willing, beloved, until next time, I should be speaking to you all soon. Praise the living God. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye